Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Straight Out Left. On this Thursday night, we're going to be talking about action around the MLB on uh, Roberto Clemente Day, as well as looking ahead to the weekend and what's going to be going on then. Plus, we're going to be talking about a star rookie from Baltimore who's really turning heads, as well as a guy who's surprisingly been one of the Dodgers' best hitters as of late. So stick around, it's going to be a good one. All right, happy Thursday night, everyone. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. As I mentioned on uh, Tuesday, there's been a spike in viewership or listenership or whatever you want to call it. Uh, po- the podcast has been getting a lot more plays recently, which is pretty exciting. So thank you. Uh, keep continuing to share the show with your friends. Keep listening to yourself. Keep spreading the word. Really appreciate it. Um, hoping to really continue to grow, especially as October comes close. Um, hoping to use the playoffs as kind of a springboard opportunity for growth and um I don't know. Something I was thinking about maybe doing is doing maybe a couple of playoff live streams, maybe on YouTube or something. Just uh, migrating over there for a little bit to try that out and see how that goes. Um, see how I do in front of a camera. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there because we still got about two weeks of the baseball left to play before we get to October. Actually, two to three weeks, about 18 to 20 games, depending on what team you're talking to. So still plenty of time for a lot of action to go down. Um, while I was recording uh, the intro for this, the Twins uh, just closed out a win, a tense win against the uh, Kansas City Royals again. I believe um, completes the sweep, which is big for us. We needed to um, kind of to turn things around in a big way, and we definitely did. It was against Kansas City, but we took care of business, as we should have. Uh, Bundy pitched four solid innings, and... Korea and Gordon hit home runs, so that's always good. Um, t- today uh, was, um, despite being a Thursday and a limited slate of games, there was a lot that happened, uh, given it was Roberto Clemente Day, so people were wearing number 21 in his honor, which personally I think um, is a very distinguished... Um, he's a very distinguished player, and this is definitely a great honor paid by the rest of the, rest of the league to him. Um, much like Jackie Robinson being an icon for African-American players, Roberto Clemente is the trailblazer for a lot of the great Latin American talent that we see today. So I think that this is very fitting and um, also kind of exciting and not necessarily in his honor on purpose or intentionally, but it did happen is the Tampa Bay Rays had a full starting nine of all Latino players. Um, Yandy Diaz, Randy Rosarena, Wander Franco, Harold Ramirez, Manuel Margot, David Peralta, Isaac Paredes, Rene Pinto, and Jose Siri were the starting lineup. So all nine were um, Latin American players, players born in Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Cuba. Yeah, because Randy Rosarena is from Cu- Cuba, I believe. I don't remember exactly. And then Taylor Wall subbed in as a pinch runner later in the game to break things up. And Shane McClanahan was the starting pitcher, so we couldn't complete it quite. We couldn't complete the whole circuit quite yet, but that was that was pretty cool. Um, and they, uh, they maybe maybe they rode that kind of magic or good vibes to a amazing eleven nothing win over the Blue Jays today. Um, those man, those two teams, Tampa Bay and Toronto, are right next to each other in the standings, and. It'd be really fun to watch a best of three playoff series between the two of them. I mean, there'd be Tampa Bay's small ball approach of great pitching defense and timely hitting versus Toronto that can just hit you to death. 
that would be a very interesting clash to watch in the playoffs. But yeah, um, White Sox are creeping closer to the Guardians. They are... The White Sox are now two or three games back of the Guardians. So, um, yeah, Ale Central staying tight. Twins are trying to get back in the mix as well. Also, something exciting that happened last night, uh, Yadier Molina and and Wainwright, for those of you who don't know, set the all-time record for um, most games by a single battery pairing. So between a pitcher and a starting catcher, they were paired together for the 325th time last night, which is an all-time record, and definitely um, can't think of a more likely duel to achieve that record, at least in the modern era, when um, it's very rare to see players spend 15-plus years with the same team like these two guys have. I mean, they've been part of the Cardinals since since I was a little kid. I mean, Molina debuted in 04, and I believe Wainwright was in 05. So they've been pretty much together since they started their careers, and they're both of them pretty much going to finish in St. Louis. Um, I believe Molina and Wainwright are both retiring after this year, just as Albert Pujols is. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I think all three of them are planning on calling it a career after this season, which adds even more drama to the Cardinals postseason run. And, you know, if this was the year to win, if there was a year to win a World Series, it'd be this year, I'd say. But uh, but I digress. But yeah, exciting times in St. Louis with all these uh, fun old um, fun old old timers and uh, kind of milestone type of stories. Um, you know, just be fitting to get Wayno and Yachty and Pujols one more uh, ring before they all ride off into the sunset. But yeah, just one of many intriguing storylines to watch as we get closer to October. Um, so that's pretty much most of the significant stuff for... Uh, tonight's action looking at this weekend we've got some interesting matchups on the docket we have the twins going to play the guardians in cleveland um the twins uh starting pitching is a little bit uncertain we know we've got joe ryan pitching on sunday um against morris for cleveland who is that well that's disrespectful i should know who this guy is cody morris okay um recent recent uh, call-up has made three starts before so he's pitching so that will be a matchup on sunday where the twins will be trying out their ace against uh one of the more unproven guardians pitchers however the guardians as they have been for many years are great at, manuf- at creating developing pitching talent within their farm system so i'm sure morris is going to turn into some kind of stuff within the next couple of years it'll be interesting to see how the twins combat facing shane bieber on saturday and tristan mckenzie on friday so they're going to have the two best guardians pitchers coming right at them at the beginning of the series. So this will be key for the guardians to try to uh, put some distance between them and the twins and for the twins to try to catch up. Um, other interesting series, uh, the pirates and the Mets have their four game series. I just, um, the pirates are definitely way out of it, but the Mets are trying to stay ahead of Atlanta. And this is a good opportunity for them to do that with a four game series against Pittsburgh. Win at least three of those games and uh, keep a, uh, keep some distance between you and Atlanta because you definitely want to try to hang on to that division title because if not, you're going to lose that bye, which is could be very critical in this new uh, era of the postseason that we have coming up. Baltimore-Toronto in Toronto is going to be very uh, exciting baseball to watch. Jordan Lyles gets the ball on Friday, followed by uh, Kyle Bradish on Saturday. 
TBD for the Blue Jays on Friday. On Saturday, it's going to be Barrios. And then on Sunday, we're going to have Dean Kramer against Alec Manoa. So that'll be a fun rubber match to watch. Dean Alec Manoa has been filthy all year, and Dean Kramer has really been pitching well as of late. So, you know, the series has some serious playoff implications, even if the, or- the Orioles are trying to catch the Blue Jays and also play spoiler at the same time. Um, moving down, the White Sox play the Tigers, so the White Sox are in a great position. If um, if the Twins beat up on the Guardians, that means the White Sox could really ca- could catch the Guardians this weekend and get into that AL Central lead. Or if the White Sox do well against the Tigers and the Twins um, get beat, if the Guardians beat up on the Twins, then that means that it, this turns into more of just a Guardians-White Sox race instead of a Guardians-White Sox and Twins race. Now, conversely, if the White Sox lose against the Tigers, if they do poorly, then this is going to set them back even further. Phillies-Braves is definitely going to be a fun series to watch in Atlanta. you got Ranger Suarez going against Max Fried on Friday, followed by... Uh, Aaron Nola against Jake Odorizzi on Saturday. And then rounding it out on Sunday, we've got Bailey Falter versus Spencer Strider. So some young pitching there. So that will be much, definitely must watch baseball throughout the weekend. Yankees are going to be playing the Brewers in Milwaukee. Brewers are trying to get hot. Yankees are trying to stay hot after a rough, um, after rough go of it. The Yankees seem to have kind of found their footing again. Um, we'll see if the Brewers uh, elite starting pitching headlined by, Adrian Hauser, Brandon Woodruff, and Jason Alexander. So they're kind of missing out. They're, the Yankees are missing Corbin Burns, fortunately for them. But uh, yeah, the Brewers are trying to make up some ground in the wild card race. Padres are playing the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are the literally right now, I think, the spoiler team of this season. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they are good enough where they could easily throw a wrench into other teams' plans for the playoffs. And the Padres are have been not doing so hot recently and the Diamondbacks have definitely been showing a lot of spunk and a lot of fight. So if this series doesn't go well for San Diego, this could get bad. And if you see Milwaukee suddenly win a couple games since the Yankees gain some momentum and some confidence, then man, I, I said this in a previous episode, I'm going to keep uh, repeating this line, but the three teams kind of in the bottom of the wild card race, the, um, the Phillies and the Padres who are on the inside and then the Brewers who are on the outside looking in. All three of those teams need to make the playoffs this year. These are must-make playoff years. Otherwise, there's going to be serious, like, what the heck happened? There's going to be a big outcry, big disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. But However, there's only two spots available because we know Atlanta is going, going to take the top wildcard spot or the Mets. Whoever doesn't win the NL East is going to take that next spot. But then any... Any of those three teams, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, or San Diego, one of them is not going to make it, and that team is going to be in a world of hurt this offseason for somewhat different reasons, but mainly just due to a lot of um, unmet expectations. We'll say that. Um, oh, actually, correction here. I misread the schedule. So the Twins have a double header on Saturday against the Guardians, so this is a four-game set. So another huge game added to that so more uh more exciting to watch giants dodgers last year would have been an amazing series come late september however the giants are kind of out of it so yeah um dodgers just looking to continue to um get tuned up and ready for the playoffs astros should have an easy time playing 
uh, Oakland at home. They already played tonight, and um, and they and Houston beat up on the A's pretty badly. Rays play the Rangers. This would be an opportunity for the Rays to kind of pull ahead in the wild card race a little bit, put some distance between them and teams like the Mariners and the Blue Jays. However, the Mariners are in a similar spot where they're playing the Angels, so um, pretty uh, pretty good opportunity for them to win another series. However, they do have to face Shohei Otani on Saturday, so that's not going to be an easy match for anyone. However, they've got Robbie Ray, George Kirby, and Marco Gonzalez going. So no Luis Castillo, but still three of their best pitchers. Again, the beautiful thing about the Mariners is they can throw out anyone from one through five, and they can be confident that they can at least uh, give, you, give you a quality start. Let's see. Did I miss any series? Rockies-Cubs, not much to talk about there. Reds Cardinals, Cardinals continuing to get ready for the playoffs. Reds just trying to uh, give their young guys some experience. Marlins Nationals, a uh, uh, bomb dwelling NLE series, and then you've got the Royals Red Sox. The Red Sox at this point are pretty much out of it. Even if they got really hot right now, I think it's almost too late. But yeah, lots of uh, fun baseball to watch. You'll have a DeGrom star on Sunday to watch. You'll have some Alec Manoa. You'll have some Sandy Alcantara. Even in a series against the Nationals, that still is fun to watch. You've got uh, Joe Musgrove against Zach Gallon on Saturday night. That could turn into some really must-watch must baseball for sure. Yeah, all sorts of good stuff as we get closer to the playoffs. Um. Really quick, um, there were a couple players that I wanted to highlight in tonight's episode. Both of these were inspired by me just logging onto baseball websites and seeing an article I found interesting, reading it, and then deciding I want to talk about this guy. So the first guy is one of Baltimore's many prized uh, young players, among the many prized rookies that have made their debuts this year. One guy who has really shown no growing pains whatsoever has been Gunnar Henderson. Now, other players have debuted with um, mixed results, and even guys like Adley Rushman, who have been really solid this season, it took a second. For a little bit, Adley didn't look quite comfortable at the plate. It took him about 10 to 15 games to really get going, and since then, he's been amazing. But it just wasn't an instant, um, instant aha, this guy's, got, this guy's ready moment. But uh, Gunnar Henderson, through his first uh, 14 LB games, is really coming into action tonight has really shown that he belongs in the major leagues. It started on uh, August 31st against Cleveland. He made his debut, went two for four with a home run. So right away you're thinking, so right away he looks super comfortable and pretty much all since he's debuted, all he's done is hit. He has hit safely in 11 of his 14 games and 10 of his 13 starts. No, wait, 11 of his 13 starts. Um, he came into one game as a pinch hitter and didn't get a hit. But so when he's playing, he's been playing pretty much every day. And when he plays, he's getting he's getting on base and he's getting hits. Um, in 54 play appearances, he has he's hitting 320 with five doubles, a triple, a home run, and nine RBIs, all very solid for a slash line of 890. So and he's been playing incredible defense all over the infield. He's played, uh, he's primarily was a shortstop of the minors. He played a little bit second base, a little bit third base. Honestly, I think third base has been where he's been spending most of the time. 
and I kind of fixated on Henderson because I saw an article about is Henderson or your holiday is in Jackson holiday. This year's number one overall pick the future of the uh, f- future shortstop for the Orioles. And um, honestly, I think the thing with Henderson is he's, I mean, they're working on it. I mean, it's still a work in progress, but I think they're, he's showing that he can fit in well at uh, third base. He can slide over there and slide in there. And then holiday has the uh, clear, clear um, uh, path to be the shortstop when he debuts in a few years. I think um, what the article was saying is that based on physical ability, not physical ability, physical traits and just um, body type, Holiday is the better shortstop. Um, he's more built to be a shortstop, I guess, whereas Henderson's more of a third baseman or can be, um, can slot into other positions with a little bit, a little more ease. I mean, that makes sense for Henderson, 6'2", 210 good third baseman size. You want a, you want a bigger guy at third base. Um, but yeah, definitely very athletic so he can handle the hot corner, but yeah, just, um, wanted to highlight real quick. Just, yeah, nothing amazing. I mean, three twenties, a very good batting average, nothing like, Oh my goodness, this guy's hitting 500, like Steven Kwan did when he, he debuted, but it's just funny how some rookies like guys like Julio Rodriguez, who now have been amazing, but I made a whole, me and uh, my buddy, if you remember way back in uh, April when I had my friend Leo on the show, we talked about how Julio Rodriguez looks really out back then. Julio Rodriguez looked really out of place in the big leagues, and he was just really struggling. And Bobby Witt also had a terrible start to his rookie campaign, but since then he's turned it on. Guys like Say Suzuki have maybe cooled off a little bit. Back in April, they were putting up; he was putting up video game type numbers. But yeah, uh, Trace Thompson's looked really comfortable ever since he came up. And I think, yeah, along with Adley, he can really become the face of one of the faces of this new Baltimore team that's supposed to like, this is, this is it. This is when they finally are going to stop being, being a walking tank and actually compete again. And it's amazing how this year without even trying, they almost, they have themselves on the brink of a playoff spot. Pretty fascinating stuff. But yeah, keep it up, Gunner, and uh, we all enjoy watching his um, helmet fly off when he hits home runs. Um, because you get to see his beautiful hair. He must put a lot of um. I mean, I don't. I can't imagine putting that much uh, care and attention and TLC into your hair. I'm more of a short, short hair guy. I don't really um. <laughs> I don't really uh, you know, go for the mane like he does. All right, the other guy I want to talk about is a guy who had a little, has a, had a little bit of hype as a prospect, but um, if you were to talk about him earlier in 2022, there would be no hype surrounding him at all, besides the fact that of his famous brother, and that is, geez, I almost described Jackson Mahomes. No, this is uh, Trace Thompson, the younger brother of uh, Golden State Warriors starter uh, Clay Thompson. So Trace Thompson... Played uh, from 2015 through 2018 with the White Sox, the Dodgers, the A's, and then another stint with the White Sox with very little success except for his first year in 2015 where he hit fairly fairly well, but then just really was struggle, struggled to find a full-time, find a roster spot in any team and spent two years in the minors and came up last year with the Cubs for 15 games and four home runs in that span, which was enough to get him some attention from the Padres 
who kept him around for six games this year before sending before DFAing him and sending him to the Dodgers. But the funny thing is, is since joining the Dodgers for his second stint in um in Dodger Blue, he has actually produced quite well. Overall in the year, Trace Thompson over 61 games, primarily primarily playing in left field, has hit 10 home runs, has hit 273 with a 905 OPS and a 144 OPS plus. So 44% better than the average hitter. And what's really interesting, and uh, credit to Fangraph's uh, Jay J- Jaffe for um, uh, pointing this out, since um, the All-Star break, among Dodgers play- hitters with at least 80 play appearances, Trace Thompson is tied with Justin Turner for the best WRC Plus at 168. He's better than Mookie Betts. He's better than Frey Freeman. He's better than Gavin Lux. He's better than Trey Turner. He's better than Max Muncie and Will Smith and even Joey Gallo. So among all Dodgers hitters, Trace Thompson has arguably been one of the best, not arguably, statistically has been one of the best hitters since the All-Star break. So that's a solid uh, two-month stretch. He doesn't have as many play appearances in the span as like Betts or Freeman, about 100 less, honestly. Um, But recently he's been slotting in a lot more into a starting role in left field. And um, yeah, just since the All-Star break, 279 average, uh, OPS of 972, which is pretty solid, 1.9 war, which is tied for third on the team with Turner behind only Betts and Freeman during that span. And yeah, really um, kind of uh, solidified uh, Dodgers outfield that besides bets has been kind of a little bit of a moving door. And the thing with the, the, the thing with the Dodgers is they do have all the depth to handle situations like this, but it's just incredible how they're getting this kind of production from Trace Thompson, who up to this point, his career has been extremely underwhelming. And uh, finally see him pull, put it all together is actually pretty great. Even though I'm not really a huge Dodgers fan, it's a, uh, Always nice to see a, a guy get another shot, especially after spending a couple of years buried in the Myers like he did after it seemed like his career was kind of done and to really uh, uh, come back around. Part of this has to do with the fact he's just been hitting the ball super hard. He has a four point, he's a 47.1% hard hit rate this year compared to a 36% hard hit rate from his initial major league career from 2015 to 2018. I'll say like, part one of his career. And um, this is kind of interesting too. Jaffe points out for the future for the Dodgers is that um, with Gallo set to be a free agent next year and Bellinger, um, things are looking more and more likely he's going to be non-tendered after this season. Thompson, who is going to reach arbitration for the first time this offseason, could, if he can, per- if he can keep hitting like this and be a, you know, not your star player, but be solid replacement level, decent left fielder. He could turn into a pretty, not that the Dodgers are exactly strapped or have a lot of constraints on constraints on their wallet, but he could really turn into a, a pretty economical outfield option. If not a fourth outfielder, even a starting left fielder at this point. So um, pretty inexpensive for for the Dodgers, if they're looking to save maybe a little money, not again, it's the Dodgers. We're not talking about like the Mariners. No, the Mariners are 
our spendy team now. We're not talking about like the um, the Rays trying to win on the cheap here. So the Dodgers don't have to worry about this per se, but it is always nice when you can get more for less in terms of baseball. If you can get a guy to produce well who you don't have to send tens of millions of dollars to, who you can just uh, work out a a smaller contract in arbitration, that could definitely be a win-win situation for both both parties involved. So yeah, um, if you haven't noticed uh, Trace Thompson, maybe this will point you to him and uh, keep an eye on him in October. And you know he could be the part part of the Dodgers winning a World Series again, but this time winning a World Series in a full one sixty two game season and not in a weird COVID season. I guess maybe I'll close the episode on that note. I just thought of this is um a narrative that does float around a lot is that how the Dodgers. 2020 World Series doesn't matter that much. And it it's not like other, in my opinion, it's not like other World Series. Winning the World Series in 2020 is not the same as winning a World Series in any other year, but that doesn't mean that it didn't mean anything. Because, yes, you had to play less games, way, way short of a season, um, less time for less things to happen. However, the opposite of that is that it was 2020, and during that time, more things were happening than ever. Players, whole teams were getting uh, wiped out. No, that sounds bad. Whole teams were getting uh, COVID and having to call up AA players to fill in in everyday uh, playing roles because all the normal big league players were out with because uh, they had the virus. So you had to battle a lot of adversity. It was just different, a different kind of adversity than the grinding 162 game, 62 game season. This was having to deal with um, potentially losing your whole starting rotation to, um, to, uh, to, to catching COVID and having to miss two weeks. So the Dodgers definitely had to put, go through a lot to get to their world series title in 2020. So it was a different year than any other world series championship, but that doesn't mean it doesn't count. However, to win, another world series is super important for the Dodgers just because given how much they've spent on this building, this team and how good they've been and how many great players have come through to win one world series in the span of about 10 years, it's been about a 10 year dynasty at this point is honestly, maybe not quite a little short of expectations. So every year for the Dodgers is kind of a must win year for the world series. Um, Not that I'm, a super big advocate for the Dodgers. I'm really not a Dodgers fan, but you know, they're every year that I think they need to come in with this mentality of we got to win because it's, we've uh, blown too many chances at this point, And we're definitely, we're, we're so about, we're pretty much better than every other team in terms of ability to scout uh, minor league scout and draft and develop talent from within, as well as having the, pocketbook and the uh, payroll to go out and sign the biggest names on the free agent market. It's such a perfect combination that should equal where it should, it should equal world series or bust every year. So yeah, between the um, Dodgers trying to go world series or bust the um, Cardinals trying to close out the, uh, the careers of three legendary players, the Mets trying to shed the little Mets uh, meme forever. The Braves trying to repeat there's a lot of interesting World Series storylines in the National League. So, and along with plenty in the American League as well. So, getting really, really excited as we get closer to October. 
so yeah, that'll about wrap it up for tonight. But yeah, like I mentioned before, keep an eye on Gunnar Henderson and Trace Thompson. One's a star rookie who should be successful for many years to come. And one's a guy who's finally seen after a long and winding road has finally seemed to figure some things out. All right, and that's going to do it for another episode. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple, and many other podcasting platforms. Make sure you follow it or give it a five-star review or do whatever you got to do to make sure it shows up in your feed. Keep your ears peeled for another episode, especially as we get closer to the playoffs. There's going to be a lot of action to follow. I will talk to you all again soon.